Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thanks for joining us today on Colorado Business Roundtable, Profits and Purpose. And I'm excited today to welcome Lauren Furman, who is the Senior Vice President, State and Federal Relations with the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you, Debbie. It's great to be with you. I know I've gotten to know you a little bit over the past couple of years, but really this is our first time sitting down together in a venue like this, where we're talking to some of our business partners with Cobert. And I kind of want to start first with how did you end up in the position you are? You've got such a prominent position and you represent the business community so well. Tell us more about you personally and how you ended up uh, being in Colorado in this role. Sure. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, a bit you, bit of a unique background. I grew up in the Florida Keys. So when you live on an island for 18 years, it lends itself to a very interesting childhood. Uh, most of my neighbors were snakes or alligators or scorpions, but I spent 18 years in the Florida Keys and then escaped to Tallahassee, Florida, where my uh, career in politics really started. I, I got a master's in political science and um, an undergrad in political science also. And since Tallahassee is Florida's capital, it's kind of hard to avoid the political scene there. So I got a job working in the House Majority Office in the Florida legislature. And that's where I fell in love with politics and policy. It was my job to twist arms of the legislators in the caucus and try to convince them to go our way in leadership. And that experience established my career over the last 20 years in politics. It's so interesting. I was picturing snakes and lizards and the, the segue into politics and what you do. And I just is a kind of a funny word picture, isn't it? <laughs> it has a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it established me well in this space. Um, I, you know, I, after spending my time as staff in the legislature, I was recruited by a lobbying firm. And um, I always say after doing 17 years of time in Tallahassee, I was ready for a change. And so we started over. My husband and I started over, came out to Denver, Colorado with no relationships, um, no political background in this state and had to establish ourselves, which we did. And um, at this point, I have now spent 13 years working for the Colorado Wow. And I would guess, you know, thinking about folks who make a difference in the public policy sphere, you know, now you're probably one of the most connected people in Colorado. So it's interesting that you haven't lived here longer, but you were able to make inroads really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's really a job I love. I love um, being able to not be an expert on anything, but really working on a lot of different issues. And that has lent itself to building a lot of relationships with different industry leaders um, and obviously political leaders across the state. So it's been a it's been a really fun ride and I, I continue to enjoy it every day. That's great. And I think I was even reading on your bio all the different types of industries that you represent or the different types of issues. That kind of leads me into tell me a little bit more about the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. Some people used to call it Casey. Now it's the Colorado Chamber. Give us some of that history of, of what the organization is. Yeah. 
Sure. The organization started in 1965. It was created through a combination of the state's chamber of commerce and the uh, manufacturing association here in Colorado. So it originally had the name of the Colorado Association of Commerce and Industry um, because that's a mouthful. And when I joined uh, the Colorado Chamber 13 years ago, um, I would say that a lot. And I got very tired of saying that a lot. And so we simplified our name uh, to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce a couple of years ago. It's been very effective. I believe people understand what a chamber does and they understand what a state's chamber does. So what do we do? We um, we represent over um, several hundred different companies, businesses, local chambers of commerce, trade associations, economic development organizations across the state. So every size of a business, um, every type of industry, uh, we will be there to represent them. We have um, we are very actively engaged um, in lobbying for those business interests across the state. So you name it, whatever type of industry it could be, uh, healthcare, energy-related, tax issues, labor and employment, um, we try to be there for our members and represent their business interests. Well, and I know we've got some of my board members are also on your board. You know, I think one of the things that's so unique about Colorado is there's a real collaborative spirit. So our organization think super highly of what you all do. And, and you certainly have a lane that's much different than ours as far as being more focused at the Capitol. So tell me more about that kind of work that you do focused on policies that affect business. Sure, absolutely. And we truly appreciate and respect the role that you have too at Cobra. And we want to work together. It's always been my mission to collaborate with our partners because if we come together on one issue or many issues, we are stronger as an army than if we're only interested in our own personal issues as an organization. So I want to make sure that we're working together and collaborating together. Um, so how do we work how, and how do we avoid conflicts within our members? Membership is a lot of times a lot of the questions I get. We work through our policy councils. Our, we have a tremendous number of experts in each policy area, whether it's healthcare, energy, tax issues, labor issues, and they serve on our policy councils. And we take the different pieces of legislation to those policy councils. And I ask the question: Okay, how do we make this bill better? Do we need to kill it? Do we need to help pass it? What do we need to do when we go over to the Capitol? And so we have a team of myself and a couple other lobbyists who all work toward those goals of what our members tell us um, needs to happen with that piece of legislation. So uh, we, you know, we really try to communicate as strongly as we can with our members, understand um, what their issues are with the piece of legislation, what their concerns are, and how do we best represent them at the state capitol. And that's what I think our organization does best is, is really our priority is advocacy. And tell me a little bit more, Lauren, just so people who might not be familiar with the kind of work that you do, what's what's the scope of what you look at during a legislative session? Like how many bills will come across your desk in some form or another? I mean, it's such a giant job. I don't think people really realize it when they think about your day to day. As you're, as you're laughing, you're like, oh, my gosh, don't remind me. You know, probably thinking through of... Uh, you know, looking ahead to January already. It is incredibly challenging. And after 13 years, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be an expert at it. But um, the legislature has the ability to introduce hundreds and hundreds of bills, um, sometimes upwards of 800 to 900 bills. And your members will ask, well, do we need 800, 900 new laws? Of course not. Absolutely not. What you see are the same issues every year. A lot of times it's rare that you'll see a new idea 
come across our, our desk. And so we are reading every single one of those pieces of legislation. We're looking at what did we do in the past? What positions did we take previously? Is there any change to that legislation to make it better or worse? And then we still bring those issues back to our members and ask them what positions should we be taking on that legislation? It's an incredibly challenging job. And especially when you have a legislature that meets for 120 days, but when a lot of the work gets done very, very late into the session in a very rushed fashion sometimes. So we have to make sure that we understand that our positions are true to our members. Um, they don't conflict with our members, but we also have to be able to move on a dime if we have to change that position. Right. And I suspect most people don't realize, even though the legislative session is only happening for a handful of months. You know, really, it's a year-round, 24-7, on-call kind of job. I remember I was a chaperone one year when my kids were touring the state capitol, and I might have had a fifth grader. And uh, the lady who was leading the tour, who was, uh, you know, perhaps a volunteer at the state capitol, told the kids, you know, that isn't it interesting that these people are paid so much money to only work this many days and I remember looking around to see if anybody else thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard because, you know, no, even though you're only there a limited amount of time, it's certainly a big, a big, you have to keep your eye on everything. Absolutely. It's hard and things move very fast or they can move very slow. So um, it's, it's a pretty challenging job, that's for sure. But we've got a great team that help us. And um, I think most years we're, we're very exhausted by the end of those four months, but we're happy with the outcome. Absolutely. Well, give us a sneak peek. What are the top legislative or policy issues that you're looking to in 2021? And again, we're in such a weird, fluid environment with COVID and recovery and stimulus and Budget forecasts are a little tougher, but you probably have kind of your two or three things that you're definitely keeping an eye on. Sure. No, absolutely. And keep in mind, we're just getting out of a special session that was focused on really a little bit of economic recovery and tax relief for some small businesses. Um, but going into the 2021 session, I think a lot will focus even still on some kind of relief for those businesses, which we would be very supportive of. Big top issues that we keep hearing about, another bill that could create a state public insurance program also known as the public option. Um, this raised a lot of concerns with our members, especially hospitals and insurance companies across the state that really tried to, in past versions of the bill, control costs by those types of industries. Um, that would be one issue that we'd be keeping a very close eye on. What keeps us really, really busy also are labor and employment issues. Um, and once again, I think we're going to see another family, uh, paid family and medical leave insurance bill. It would be an implementation bill as in a response to the ballot initiative that passed during the 2020 election. So we will be keeping a close eye on that and to see whether there's some improvements that could be made uh, to that policy, because our members have a lot of concerns still with that policy program. Also, uh, maybe a transportation funding bill, you know, that every year we hear rumors of one. I think there's some traction on potentially another bill that could create some funding options for more transportation infrastructure efforts across the state. Another bill that folks are concerned about are uh, drug pricing transparency. So obviously pharmaceutical companies are going to be very concerned about any bills that try to impose some kind of transparency requirements on costs. Those are some of the biggies right now. Mm -hmm. Those are some big ones. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
we've got our eyes on some of those and I and I look forward to collaborating with you on how we can also maybe lend some voice to those issues as well. Um, what do you think of, you know, when I think of 2020, you know, in COVID, I I sometimes think about the unique challenges that have come just with the pandemic and, and not only the health concerns and safety concerns for people, whether they're customers or employees or your own family, but then also the corresponding economic issues that have, that of course, um, run parallel to that. Give me a sense of how COVID has maybe changed your mission or what you've been working on. Um, in terms of pivoting or needing to adjust? I'm just curious from an organizational standpoint. Sure. It has, it has had a very big impact on a lot of our members. Our larger members have been able to pivot to a working at home scenario for their employees, and they've adjusted pretty well. Our mid to smaller members are really, really suffering, especially with the restrictions that state government has imposed on them over the last couple months. The smaller members like our restaurants, um, boutique small businesses, uh, startup companies, even the local small local chambers of commerce are really struggling right now. So there are opportunities, I believe, that um, we could try to to repair some of those impacts in the 2021 legislative session and provide some additional relief on those restrictions. And that's what I'm hopeful for. Um, but certainly it hasn't had, it has certainly had an impact on our, on our membership. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, um, and, and this isn't really something um, I thought about asking you till now, but I, what I find interesting for the business community is that in times of disruption, and, and this is probably the biggest disruption I've had in my adult working life, you know, perhaps 9-11 could be factored in there, but a real business disruption actually brings about incredible opportunity as well. If we're able to kind of look at the flip side, for example, how are we fast tracking uh, broadband, for example, to make sure folks have opportunities to learn and work from home? Uh, you know, even in the restaurant industry, the ability to to have a margarita on the go, like who, who'd have thought that was a thing? Um, but are you seeing, are your members sort of embracing that, that time of, okay, how can, how can this be a time of really great rapid innovation as well? Yeah, I think what we're, what we're seeing, and we've done a lot of surveys of our members and how they're, they've been able to respond to this pandemic. The most, um, the strongest response we have seen is, is the working at home environment and how employers have been able to see that a flexible working home at home environment actually can be productive, especially among law firms and other mid to large businesses. They figured out that really folks don't have to be in front of a desk at their office and they can still be productive um, working remotely. So that has been the strongest um, reaction we have gotten. I think restaurants, yes, they've been able to be creative over the last couple months. I think this newest restriction, though, of um, limiting to only outdoor dining is going to create pretty significant challenges for them, um, especially with the winter months coming ahead. I know some are able to adjust, um, but not all of them, especially smaller businesses that can't afford a very large heated tent outside of their patio. I mean, those are the scenarios that they're confronted with right now. So yes, some are being creative. Um, and I think some are adjusting just fine while others are, are closing, unfortunately. Yeah. I think about, uh, you know, the spottiness of the dilemma for these businesses, of course, some, you know, like we even mentioned, some technology firms are probably finding they're needed more than ever, you know, to ramp up, but you're right. Industries like restaurants and 
tourism, hospitality, you know, I don't know how they recover any time in the near future. I mean, perhaps the, the vaccine really is the only stimulus that'll work to That's get everybody right. back and running. Um, how can, what, what would you want some of our covert partners to know about the Colorado Chamber, just as far as how they can get involved, how else they can um, hear more about some of your priorities going forward? We'll definitely encourage your members to get involved. The one thing that we all have is a voice and our voice needs to be heard. And a lot of times um, folks trust what happens within state government, but we have to be mindful of, of the actions that are taken by state government. So sharing your voice, testifying, sending emails or posting on social media concerns about certain issues, whether it's a regulation, whether it's a piece of legislation, whether it's an executive order by our governor, the, the voice matters. And when we all come together and we press back on some of the decision making, it can be extremely effective. And the way that we can work together can be very effective also, Debbie, and we've done that. And I think that when we all come together, as I said before, as an army, they listen and mm -hmm. state government will pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on that note, I would say I feel like the business community really has the last year or so, from my viewpoint, you've been involved in this sort of realm longer than I have, but really decided we were stronger together. Yes. And how do we amplify that voice through your organization and mine and a couple others that have really tried to utilize um, that power and might that the business community is a force for good? And how do we know that um, when business thrives, we all thrive? So exactly it's a good perspective. Right. That's exactly well, good. Right. <laughs> well, thanks, Lauren, for being here. And I appreciate hearing more about what you're working on and, and all the different um, industries that you represent through the Colorado Chamber and appreciate all the good work that you're doing to keep our state economically vibrant. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you. Really appreciate the role that Covert has in, the, in this space and, and helping businesses across the state. Um, the more organizations like yours, the better. And that's we all need to work together. And I appreciate what you do. Absolutely. Well, that's a good place to end. Working together is the thing. Yep. And I uh, appreciate you being on with us today. This has been a podcast for Colorado Business Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom, Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.